You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 046. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 46. Oh, and before I let you listen to this incredible episode that I had a blast recording, I wanted to let you know that I have a huge awesome free offer coming at you and you can actually register for it today. What is it, do you ask? It is a free video series that I've put together with my best friend and co-part, business partner, Andrea Owen from Your Kick-Ass Life. And we've created a video series all about how to go after your big thing, that big dream, that hairy, scary goal that you've got, that you've been dragging your feet, you've been waiting for the right opportunity, and it never shows, and you get in your own way, and you are just dying to accomplish this, whether it's a triathlon, or starting your own business, or starting a nonprofit, or losing weight, or writing a book, everybody's got their big, big dream. And Andrea and myself have had the incredible great fortune to accomplish some of our loftiest ambitions and dreams, and we have put together an incredible strategy and opportunity to share that with you free of charge. So all you have to do is swing by bringyourthing.com and just enter your name and we will give you all your freebies. Uh, Right now, it is uh, registration is open, uh, and then the video series will launch on April 21st. So get your name in, and I'll see you there. You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? I'm Mr. Smith. I'll be hanging out on the show with you guys. So without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, just happens to be my beautiful bride, Amy E. Smith. Hey, everybody. Amy Smith here. Welcome to the Joy Junkie Show. We are so thrilled to have another guest host with us today, and um, I, if, if you've been with us on the show for any number of months, you'll know I typically am accompanied by my gorgeous soulmate as my little sidekick. I like to say he's the Robin to my Batman, uh, but he is taking some time off, but for those of you who've expressed that you miss Mr. Smith, he's coming back probably it'll be in May. I'm not exactly sure when in May. So stay tuned. Uh, But in the meantime, I've had such a great good fortune to have some incredibly brilliant colleagues. And obviously, you guys know I've had a lot of my friends. Well, today I have somebody who I just met about 10 minutes ago. And I absolutely adore her. And we're going to be discussing a love topic today. We're going to talk about what the hell do you do when your friends and family openly disapprove or even just don't get it about the person that you're with, about your spouse, your partner. So we typically like to vacillate between life topics and love topics. So this week is all about love. And I am accompanied by the brilliant Gemma Stone. Welcome to the show, Gemma. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. I'm like, I'm really stoked to be here. And the topic is, um, yeah, it's one that I'm kind of nervous to talk about because I have so much personal experience, but it's also, um, 
it's incredibly liberating, right? Figuring out how to deal with that, especially if it's going on in your life. So thank you for the topic and for inviting me over. So I'm glad so you much. asked or you mentioned that because the way that I pulled this topic actually was it was submitted by one of our listeners. So if you guys didn't know that, on on my website, on thejoyjunkie.com, you can click on podcast and there's a way that you can submit uh, topics and things that you would like to hear about. And I'm very vigilant about checking those and making sure that we're, we're giving you applicable content to things you want to hear about. So this was actually from a listener. And um, I'm so glad. It's such a, it's perfect divine timing that I was kind of scouring the the topics and like, oh, what can we talk with Gemma about? And just, it seems so perfect with your life. So I am thrilled too. So let me tell everybody a little bit about you. Uh, she is a sought after uh, psychologist and speaker, and she has dedicated her life to the study of love, fear, and change. Gemma shares her work at colleges, conventions, and conferences across North America. And in her private practice, she works one-on-one with clients. She facilitates luxury retreats and creates customized programs for organizations. When she's not working with clients in her private practice or facilitating the Great Life Redesign Retreat, you can find her wrestling with her two boys, meditating with her mala beads, and optimistically checking her mailbox for handwritten love notes. Learn how to heal the past, love the present, and light up the future at GemmaStone.org. And Gemma is G-E-M-M-A. Um, I love I love that like the the regular post is so such a lost art, is it not? Yes, yes. Yeah, it really, it really is. There's that level of like commitment that it's almost like the the regular post is a practice of commitment. And it's that there's like the value comes in the commitment almost more than the posting. Yeah, 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 yeah. One of my good friends is um, one of my best friends, actually. She's so great. Actually, both two, my, my very, very best friends, they're so great about dropping handwritten cards in the mail. And I just love it. Um, but on a totally separate note, first of all, I just I'm kind of obsessed with names, and I love that you have such a badass name. Were you true? Okay, did you marry into Stone, or is that your given name? Like, it's a lovely story, actually. So, and kind of a fierce story as well. My, I've had like three last names. Um, so my I was married. You know, my parents got married. I had, took my d- dad's name. My parents got divorced. My mom switched my name to her last name. And then my grandmother, who I was fairly close to, she was a very sort of traditionalist woman. And, um, and she had this like underlying feminist edge to her that she didn't share with anyone really, except for me. So before she died, she was going like, off the hook about patriarchy, which I'd never heard her talking about before. And she was like, I lost my name. And she was sort of like really having a lot of grief and loss about her losing her name. Um, And so I told her that when she died, I would change my last name to her maiden name. Yeah. So Stone is my grandmother's maiden name. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I love that so much. And let me tell you my... (laughs) Okay, okay, because my name is Amy Smith. It's like ridiculous. And before I, – I've actually talked about this before on the pod because I'm kind of obsessed. But before that, my maiden name was Green, you know. So I went from Green to Smith. It's pretty lame. But <laughs> And I always thought like, oh, God, I was this crazy eccentric child and I wanted to be like Jade Green or Ivy Green or – you know, my brothers could have been Forest and Sage. And yeah. so 
I've always, you know, I, I don't want children. We've always, we've talked about that a lot on the show and I just not interested, but I love animals and pets and stuff. And so I like to name my pets, you know, fun names. And I have a rabbit actually named Emerson Stone. Stone is his middle name. So that name, Emerson Stone. (laughs) And it's a rabbit. That's spectacular. What a great name for a rabbit. Yeah. I just, I don't, I like to have them be somewhat real names. We have um, Bianca Bella. We have, uh, this is, that's a, a dog. We have Joseph Blue Pulaski Smith, which is my other dog, which is named after Blue from old school. <laughs> You're my boy, Blue. And, but I really love that we included Joseph Blue Pulaski. And then, um, and then my rabbits are Bailey Black and Emerson Stone. So we kind of had a, a color theme going there for a minute. But uh, yeah, I just, your name couldn't be more badass, seriously. Well, thank you. I uh, I feel like it was meant to be my name my whole life, and when I changed it, it's almost like I stepped more into like my true self because it. There's something about there's a lot of power in names, Absolutely. and I imagine Emerson Stone like sitting in an you know like kind of like an ancient library with candles everywhere and writing <laughs> <books. laughs> like thumbs and stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, well, we've always said like if he was a human, he would definitely be wearing like a sweater vest or he'd have like a corduroy jacket with patches on the elbows, like <laughs> professor style, my little rabbit. Absolutely. Oh my god. So, um oh, I'm just so thrilled to have you here. You guys, you have to swing by the podcast page and look at this girl's photo. She is so stunning. I think I might have a little girl crush on you. Oh, you're so beautiful. You just have a captivating presence, truly. I mean, it's it's clear even in photography. So um, I'm really thrilled to have this this topic uh, for us to discuss because I, I think it's something that people deal with frequently and it's all related. Uh, well, it's largely related to other people's opinion. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, this is something that came from a listener and just kind of what what the hell do I do? when the people in my life make it very clear and are quite vocal that they don't approve of my my partner or they don't get along or, you know, kind of what do I do about that? So I would love even your perspective on where do you think people get kind of hung up or arrested in this particular area or even, you know, what's your tale? I know you kind of have a personal story that that really resonates with this with this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, my, my personal story is that, um, my, I, I am, I'm married and my husband is not in this world in terms of like personal development and self-awareness and consciousness and, and psychology. So he's, it's just not his thing. It's really, it's really not. And, um, for a while that was, it was difficult for me because, uh, my background of being in psychology, you know, I, I've read all of the textbooks. I know what they say about, you know, having similar goals and having, having similar dreams and, um, similar value systems and all, all of those things. So first of all, I think some of it comes from people having opinions and ideas about like, what is a good relationship? What makes a relationship healthy? And certainly there are some things, right? Like abuse, not healthy. Right. right. In terms of like having a similar value system, 
in some ways that can be true to, and be helpful, but for some people it's just, that's just not the case. That's not what deeply matters. And I think in our society we like to, you know, we like to construct boxes and we like to say this is the box that defines a healthy relationship or this is the box that defines the relationship I want my friends or my family to be in. And as a couple, if you don't fit into the box of the other people's opinions, then it can be really, really tr tricky and difficult because they'd have no way of conceptualizing how can this person I love be happy if their relationship doesn't fit in this box that I equate to happiness. Right. Right. You know, that's really fascinating. I had, um, I had another colleague on the show and she was talking about the same thing around we set up, we set up these concepts that you know, the only way I can win in a relationship if it is if it looks a specific way. So I, I really love that you're bringing that up because you're right. You know, and even in the, even for you and I, like in it, coming from uh, personal development background, you know, we still find. I mean, at least for myself, I still find that I I go here's what's more healthy and here's here's what's not. So that's, it's great to just kind of expand your mind to what's possible. Yes. What is possible? Well, and I think too, like it, and this is really at the, at the essence of a lot of the work that I do. It's all about like building your life from your true self rather than your false self. Mm -hmm. And, um, most people are operating from the false self. And, and quite often that's the place where we come from fear, right? We come from not good enough or judgment or rejection or um, uh, like kind of all these different different ways that we try to cope with life, right? Like addictions or um, numbing out or distracting, things like that. So whenever, whenever what, with every issue, I'm always asking people like, what is your true self saying? and begin to kind of like dive beneath the layers of like what the false self says. So um, for everyone that's listening, let's play a little game. So if you draw, draw a heart and put in this your true self. So this is, this is the essence of who you are. It's the core. It's your, it's your personal truth. It's your soul. And then around that heart, draw a circle and write the word trauma. So we all come into this world with like the truth of our soul. And then we experience trauma. This is just the nature of life. We have trauma. And as a result of that trauma, we usually fear, we feel shame, blame, guilt, and fear. And then in order to deal with those feelings, we develop a false self. And everyone's false self shows up differently. So some people get really into people pleasing or self-sacrifice. Some people get really angry and bitchy. Oh. Um, some people start drinking. Some people start, um, you know, shopping, having sex. Like everyone has a different way that their false self shows up. And sometimes it's even like perceived to be positive, like, um, being really funny, like often that the concept around like class clown is developed because they felt like they weren't good enough. So now they have to be super funny. So we all have the way the false self shows up. And when we build our relationships from our false self, um, that's when there's a lot of suffering. It's always like for me, it's always asking that question, like, what is your true self calling you to do and allowing that to guide you rather than the opinions of others? Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, isn't that our greatest challenge? Uh, in life period, you know, mm -hmm. uh, is to operate or even just find that true self, get in touch with her or him. Yeah. And and I think you probably agree that there's, there's many people who just never do. They yeah. just live in kind of darkness. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and in, we joke too on the show a lot of times, like how we speak a different language in self-help. 
you know, even <laughs> even though we're, you know, we can be crass and, you know, silly and all of those things, we do st still say stuff like living in the darkness or being your true self or your authentic self. And, um, you know, if that's newer to you, if you're listening to that and going, what the hell? It's it's the difference between what you feel like you are allowed to be and who you really, really are. It's it's operating from a, your intuition, your yeah. gut, instead of cognitively and your mind and what you think you're supposed to do or you're supposed to be or you should. Um, so I'm I'm curious for you, Gemma. Was was your situation? I mean, I know I know you kind of as you say, you guys are in a different world. Yeah. You operate in a different world. Did you have a lot of issues with your family thinking you're settling or was there adversity from friends and family? I would assume it'd be more from colleagues. Well, you know, it was it was actually from all three. It was from colleagues, family, and friends. Okay. Because um, my friends are also like, you know, pretty spiritual, pretty into like conscious living. And um, in the beginning, I had this concept around what a healthy relationship looks like. And my box was like, you have to come out to my events and you have to get along with people. And you know, like, I had all this like judgment, all these rules about, but really the rules were based on like social expectations rather than my true self. So in the beginning, it was really tough because I was trying to make our relationship fit into the box um, that was sort of given to me, passed down, you know, through family and stuff like that. So I would invite him out and, you know, if he didn't sort of behave or wasn't kind of conscious in the way that I wanted to be conscious or didn't, you know, engage with people in a thoughtful way, I would be really like hurt. And, and, you know, I come home and I'd like spill sadness all over him and, and then he would feel like he's not good enough. And it, you know, it's, so with friends, it was, um, it was really difficult. Cause I was trying to force something that just, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't truthful. Um, with colleagues, there was a lot of people saying, like, Gemma, take a look at these. Like, you know, here are your core values. Here are his core values. These aren't aligning. Like, you have, you know, your your personal hobbies aren't aren't lining up. Like, there's going to be a lot of issues in your future. I think you should end the relationship now and save yourself the pain. Um, and then in family, my, my husband's a stay-at-home daddy. And um, him, that's his purpose. Like, he was put on this earth to be a father. Um, mm -hmm. And he's brilliant at it. And um, my mom... It was not a big fan of that. She's poor, poor husband. Like every time they would hang out, my mom would sort of drop some lines around them, like, so when are you going to get a real job? Oh, God. Which is incredibly offensive, right? If you imagine that. Yes. First, right? And I actually sat down like, listen, mom, how would, how would you feel if his parents started telling me to get a job if I was a stay-at-home mom? So, so I think sometimes, you know, having the perspective shifts can be really helpful. Like as, as much as you can, helping other people to step into the soul, like the shoes of your partner, can sometimes bring some compassion and understanding, which can make those expectations or that dislike a little bit, um, a little bit lighter. Yeah. yeah so I, yeah, I had it, I had it coming from all three and you know, it's, it's still like, you know, the, the retreat I run is called the great life redesign because we are always redesigning our lives. Like every decision we make, every conversation we have is a redesign of how you choose to live your life. So I certainly don't have it all figured out now, but there is so much more peace and love and understanding and support in our relationship now because I've, I've been able to let go of, you know, the shoulds and the expectations of others and really step into what's the truth of his soul? What's the truth of my soul? And how do we build a relationship based on that? Yes. Yes. Well, I love that. And, you know, I really do want to say a little thing about values because it's something that we've danced around 
uh, on some other episodes and I you know I have my own perspective on them and I'm curious what you would have to say about this but I I really feel like your core value system are are the are the elements that must be present in your life in order for you to be the most fulfilled for for you to live your richest life so so for instance um, I have a huge value around adornment and decoration. Like it's really important to me to decorate everything. Like aesthetics really light me up and, and it's a piece of creativity for me. Um, I also have a huge value around creativity. No matter what I do, I need to be involved in a creative aspect. Now, I also have value around uh things that are a little bit bigger, a little meatier, like honesty and integrity, right? So I always kind of break them down into things that are like a deal breaker value versus just kind of a standard run of the mill value. So for instance, for me, I feel like there's values that I have that it really doesn't matter if my husband has them or not, as long as he doesn't make me wrong for having them and supports me. So I don't need him to also value adornment and decoration. I don't need him to also be creative. I don't. Those aren't deal breakers. But if he wasn't honest, that one is a deal breaker. Like if he found a wallet on the side of the road and didn't try to find the owner, at Mm -hmm. my core, that would rock me. Like I would not be able to be connected with a spirit like that. So what I hear from you is that is that the values that must be the same, which I'm assuming are like around parenthood and integrity and, you know, really meaty things mm-hmm. um, are in alignment. Whereas like he might not value personal development and that might not be a deal breaker for you. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love the way you tease that apart um, because yeah, it's, it's the pieces that are like, you know, they're critical to your essence, right? Like, like you said, like that, if they're not there, it's like offends your soul. Mm-hmm. Those, you're, yeah, I would completely, completely agree with that. And, and also, I think that even if, let's say, your husband didn't have honesty as a core value, um, and naturally he might not try to find the owner of the wallet, because of the love and respect he has for you in the relationship, that 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 would matter to him. So it's not so much honesty that matters, but it's mm-hmm. it's love, you know, that matters. His love for you matters. Yes. Um, yes. So he will find the owner of the wa- the the wallet. And I think for me, um, in my relationship, that's like that's the foundation of of everything. And and I think too as well with like in terms of other relationships, when when you're talking to friends and family that maybe don't get your spouse or don't get your partner or you know don't like them at all. When you, when you communicate to them at that level, like the, it's the love that holds us together. And because he loves me or because she loves me, you know, she, you know, they do these things, they return the wallet, they, you know, make yeah. camping a priority, like, Oh, like whatever it is, whatever it is, it's, you know, lights you up that, that I think that's the foundation that, that if I have to put a box on a relationship, it's that piece, it's that pure love. Um, and as a result, respect Yes. For, for the being that you're in relationship with. And I think that above everything else is what matters. Yes, I, I, I absolutely agree. In fact, I always say like, I don't need you to get it. Mm. Why I have affinities towards certain things um, and vice versa. Like my husband has a huge value around strategy, mm. you know, and he loves to 
play Tetris with our luggage in the car if we're traveling. <laughs> like, ooh, let's put this here. He knows which directions to go that has the fewest red lights and which lights are the longest. And like he, he has such a strategic mind. I can watch him formulate things. And I used to make him wrong for it. I used to tease him because I don't operate that way. Until I realized like, okay, I don't have to get it. I don't have to be like that. I just need to support him in that way. And that's that's really pivotal and poignant what you said about that because that is the difference between support and making wrong. Okay. And um, it doesn't have to make sense. It no. doesn't have to. You don't have to get it. You just have to support it as long as. The biggest caveat is as long as it is not in direct violation to who you are being. Yes. And I think what you said, you you said it so eloquently to that it doesn't crush your soul to support them or, or you said something like that. Um, and that that's the key. If it does nothing to you, it, it hurts you in no way to support them. And, you know, conversely, it actually fills you up because you're able to love them greater in a way that they want to be loved. Then it's a win-win. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that goes back to that piece around like building relationship from the true self rather than the false self, right? The false self self-sacrifices and it people pleases. And, um, and, and then as a result of those things, cause they cause suffering, then we have to numb out. So then we don't communicate. And then, you know, we, um, you know, we, you know, eat chocolate every night or we have a bottle of wine in order to cope with the really, like that's how yeah, things yeah. start to spiral into dysfunction. Um, and I also really love what you said around, it doesn't have to make sense. Like within relationship, it like it doesn't have to, we don't have to completely cognitively understand the other person. Um, and also the people that are, surround us, our friends and family, they don't have to understand our relationship. They just have to support it and trust it. I mean, they don't even have to do that really. I mean, you can set some boundaries around it if they if they can't. But even saying that, like it doesn't have to make sense to you. You can just trust me. Yeah. yeah, You can trust that I know, you know, what's truthful for me. And you can trust that I feel the love that I need to feel in this relationship. It doesn't have to make sense from you to you, the outside looking in. And I, and I get, you know, you could even communicate to them. I get that it doesn't make sense. Like we have different values and we have different hobbies and we have different friends and we have different, whatever the issue is within the relationship. And that part, I get it. It doesn't make sense. But the love that's there, the way that I feel, the way I'm allowed to like, you know, be my true self, those are what deeply matter to me. And that's why I'm in this relationship. And I need you to trust that. Yeah. 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 It's, it's interesting. I, I, and God, that can be so tricky because I think, you know, when we're operating from an unconscious place, our desire is always approval. I think our just our in, innately we're built where we want we want approval. We want everybody to be happy. But if that becomes our number one focus, there's a cost to that. We there's something that it, it costs us. We lose out. So if you're in a situation where you feel like you almost have to coerce and manhandle your family and your friends into seeing it your way you might be fighting a losing battle. So I'm curious for you where – because this is what I see too, is if somebody feels really strongly about a relationship and uh, they're getting all this adversity from friends, family, colleagues, they start really second-guessing their intuition and they start really going, well, maybe maybe I'm not – or maybe I shouldn't be this happy. 
Or why am I fulfilled in this way? Something's wrong with me. Or maybe I am settling. Or, and, and I think sometimes it's even harder if you're a very evolved conscious spirit. Because then your negative self-talk and, you know, kind of your your demons are also evolved and <laughs> and, and and are are able to kind of combat those things in a, in a more of a, oh gosh, I don't even know how to articulate it, in more of a evolved sort of way. So I'm curious if that happened to you where you really went, kind of reflected back like, oh my God, maybe, maybe they are right. Maybe I... Am I not seeing something and really had some adversity with your own intuition? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like those, uh, all the information that we have coming in from the outside world, it gets filtered in, right? And if, if we're not consciously um, teasing apart what's our truth and what's other people's opinion and experience, then it's almost like the whispers of your intuition become like say the same things as the voices of the, the critics, Right, right. Yeah. And like you said, we can trick ourselves like those people that are, um, you know, spiritually aware and, and, and into personal development, like our egos become also more enlightened. Yeah. Right? Yes. <laughs> and, and the tricks that they can, it can play on us is quite, um, can be quite devastating. So one of the things that has worked really, really quite well for me is to get super boundaried around it. Yeah. Um, so what, one of the things I found that I've needed to do is become less nice and more kind, really. So, um, setting up boundaries around that are based in love, not in fear. I'm always about like love over fear in every way. Always is the answer. Um, but su- being super boundaried around it, because once you're boundaried around it, it's almost like those opinions of others um, are muffled, and then you get to tap into the truth of your soul. Yes, and yes. you know, and writing out like, what's my truth? What's my truth? What's my truth? Almost every day, in order to be like continue to stay connected to that. Um, can be a can be a really really helpful process to make sure that you're not listening to the voice of your ego or the opinions of others, but that you continue to connect in to the truth of of who you really are and what you deeply want. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that that can be, I think, one of the biggest challenges in life. Period, is looking at what am I adopting as truth? Yeah, and what is my what is really true for me? You know, and um, I, w- I really want to, yeah, move into like, okay, if you're in one of these situations, what what the hell do I do about it? Because you feel stuck in a lot of ways. And I, I love what you said about boundaries. Um, and one one thing to kind of keep in mind if if you're in this situation, because it's so easy to accept what whatever anybody else says as truth and viable even if it's only their experience not necessarily yours so if you're in a situation where your your friends or family really don't approve of your partner i i really encourage you to explore where that might come from with the intention of discovering is it their shit or is it your shit you know because it could very well be – I do think this sometimes happens where I call them our soul tribe, like the people who really do have your highest good as a priority, where they can sometimes see things that we have blinders on. I do think that's a reality. And then I do think that there's other times when they project and they operate from a place of defense where perhaps they've seen you through an egregious situation. They've seen you surmount something really trying and – they're coming from a place of, of love, 
and it's just misdirected because they don't have all of the facts or all of the information and they're simply not involved in the relationship. So they come from a, I don't want you to hurt again. So I'm, I'm going to express my concerns. So one of the things that I always say is, first of all, be really aware of the source. Is it, is it somebody who you highly value their perspective on relationships because people who who have been scathed and hurt themselves are very quick to tell you why yours won't work out period Um, that tends to be just a commonality they they it's just how it works now the the other thing though which I think is probably very similar to your situation is even though they are in the soul tribe even though they are evolved even though they do have a really great sense of self or sense of relationship sometimes they still don't see it and that's okay as well. But I think just asking yourself, where does this dislike come from? Is there anything viable? Like, has my partner legitimately been an ass to them? Yeah. Like, is there a mess to clean up maybe? Like, where does it come from? Like, is are they operating from defense? Are they operating from love? And then that offers you the ability to come from compassion and go, I get why you're defensive. You saw me through my divorce. I get why you're defensive. You want my highest good. I get why you're defensive. My my spouse was an asshole to you. You have every reason. He was in the wrong. She was in the wrong. So if you can kind of dis- dissect a little bit of where does this stem from, it gives you a little bit more capacity like to work through this, this fragile situation because there's a lot at play. There is. Yeah. I love that. And it's, um, it's, it's a, like it, it adds adds more depth, this whole conversation, right. To, to be able to look at, at what is true, like what's my personal truth, but also, you know, what is the truth of that person and where is that truth coming from? You know, are they seeing something that I can't see because oxytocin is a powerful chemical (laughs) (laughs) are bonded up in that. Then sometimes you're right. We can't see the things that we can't see. And sometimes the people that are close to us can see those things. Um, so being able to identify like what is what's their truth and where is that truth coming from? It, are they seeing something I can't see? Is this coming from somewhere in their past? Because sometimes, you know, like if if you know our friends have been our friend might have been like abandoned as a child or something like that, they may have some of their own issues that get tr- get that's getting triggered and you know projected onto your relationship or. Like you said, maybe they've seen you being hurt before and they don't want that again. And being able to um, language their truth in a way that helps them know you understand it can also diffuse the intensity with which they're trying to convince you to get out of the relationship. Because at least if they feel heard and understood, then then they know that like that you're seeing that and you're not just blind and you're right. not just seeing it. But it's almost like it's settling for them to be seen at such a level. Right, right. Like if if you write them off, Mm -hmm. they're going to be more persistent and more like, I need you to understand. I need you to see it my way. So I'm going to keep hounding you. Totally. And that's all about like having the boundaries that are based in love, right? Boundaries that are based in fear is that it's writing them off. It's getting defensive. It's saying like, okay, well, I'm going to cut you out of my life. Like whatever. Those are all boundaries based in fear. But the boundaries that are based in love are very much like, I see you. I get you. I hear what you're trying to tell me. And this is my truth right now. Right. Yeah. And and it's also okay if uh, if you're not sure. 
Mm-hmm. If, if you're not sure if this is the person for you or not, yeah. mm-hmm. it's okay to take your sweet ass time to totally. figure it out. Totally. Yeah. To trust the process. Right. And I love like the questions that are around like, like, what are the lessons here? What, like, what is it within this relationship that I, that I can be learning? What, what, what could be the purpose of it? And maybe it is to get you more connected to your true self or, um, you know, to be able to learn how to establish boundaries with love. Like, Sometimes understanding the purpose in the moment can relieve the pressure that we feel about having to have the future figured out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well, I want to I want to share with you a, a situation that I had, and uh, just get your take on it a little bit. I had a, a, one of my very best friends. Um, I saw her through a really egregious divorce, and uh, she ended up dating a new guy, and. Uh, it fell in love with him, just absolutely loved him. I, my, my husband and I met him and immediately, viscerally, I couldn't even stand to be around him. Like I really felt very strongly, like I, I tried very hard not to judge who he was because I didn't know him, but I felt like the behaviors that he was exhibiting were, were less than her. Um, and I felt really defensive for her, obviously. And we ended up coming to a place where the friendship had to be severed because in order for me to support her through that, I felt like I would need to severely sacrifice who I was. And the same was true for her. Her relationship was more important to her. They ended up getting married. They have a baby. I I assume that she's really happy. I hope that I really genuinely hope that, um, but it was a, one of those instances where in order for us to both be in our power, the friendship had to end. Yeah. And and that was okay because for both of us, we chose the thing that was more important to us. And for me, it was my personal power and not being around an energy that I felt was detrimental to both me and uh, and my friendship. And then for her, it was I can't, I can't be with a friendship that – directly opposes and does not support me and so we really parted amicably and and it's been amiable ever since but uh but it was really a a choice like in order for us to live in our own personal power there was a cost and that was the relationship and that was okay well my sense is like again that's a boundary of love yes Right. And that's, I, I really, I think every, I believe with my whole heart that everything comes back to love. And if you can connect to the truth of who you, you know, who you are, what deeply matters to you, and then act on that from love, like that, I think that's really what life is all about. Like getting to the end of your life and knowing that you've, you've done that or you figured that piece out is, is incredibly empowering. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to, I want to talk a little, a little more about boundaries and maybe some of the specific discussions you've had because I really think that's the element that unlocks a lot of this and and that's what we're afraid of so much is actually conversing about things that are touchy and um and it's challenging I mean the most similar parallel that I can I can offer in from my own life my uh my mother and I truly at our core our value system could not be more opposite. Um, and a lot of it is based in spirituality and religious belief. And so for for both of us, in order to support the other's views, to really support it, we it would be 
at a detriment to our own, our own spirit. You know, it, it does feel extremely contrasting. So kind of our, our agreement and kind of how we operate is really in a place of superficiality. We really only talk about superfluous things and like how home decor and, you know, gardening and food and things like that. We can't really talk about anything that has a lot of heart because it is so painful for the two of us. And I actually had a situation where, uh, I, I had to say to her again, very much with kindness, if you continue to speak like that, I'm going to have to get off the phone. Um, because I just won't subject myself to that. And and that was a fierce love for myself. Like I will not subject myself to this conversation any longer. And I, I feel like that is really a part of the, the boundary establishment is if you have somebody who will not let up on berating you and just it's a barrage of why you're wrong and the shoulds and, and you're settling and, and it, you know, even defamation of character of your spouse – it might really need to be where you say, if you continue to speak like that, I'm going to have to ask you to leave or I, I I will not entertain conversations like this any longer. And you can say it just that peacefully. You really can. It's possible. Um, so I'm curious for you, maybe your experience with, with boundary setting and, and what exactly that looked like, what the verbiage. Yeah, yeah well – I mean, it was very similar to yours, right? Like, for example, like with my mom, it just had to be like mom, the conversations around him working in a way that earns income. It just it's not going to fly. And mm-hmm. and we can talk about everything else. But that that's off limits. Um, the damage that it does to my relationship with you and, you know, and his relationship with you is not worth the conversation. And I think sometimes again, like we have these boxes around like in relationship, we should be able to talk about everything. We should be open about everything. And, and I don't think that's true. I think relationships, um, if you, if you have a really healthy network of relationships, each one of them are going to serve a different purpose. Your relationship with your mom serves, serves a different purpose than your relationship with your girlfriends. And I think being able to honor the purpose in the relationship and not expect it to be everything is one of the kindest things that you can do for yourself and others. And then that means establishing the boundaries. Like what is it that's really important to me within this relationship and how can I set up boundaries so that that is protected rather than sacrificing what matters to have a conversation that you don't actually have to have. It's true. It's true. Yeah. It's very, it's so, very true. In terms of like specific language, this is like going to sound super like therapeutic and counselory and all that. <laughs> Um, so I, so, but find your own words around it, but there's a four point communication process that works pretty well with most people. So the first piece is when I hear, so you do, um, something that's very objective. So mom, when I hear you saying my husband should get a real job, the story I tell myself is that you don't respect how hard he works for our family. And I feel like you don't trust me or him. And what I really need is for us to not have conversations about him earning an income at all anymore. We can talk about the kids and what's going on in both in both of our works, but conversations about him working are just out of bounds. So it's four point. When I hear something very objective, the story I tell myself is, and I feel dot, 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 how you feel. And what I really need is, what I really need, that's your boundary setting. So you're honoring the person, you're being objective, you're owning the meaning that you're attaching to the objective fact, you're expressing how you're feeling, and then you're setting a boundary with love. Right, right. And, and the one thing that I would add to that is, because I actually wrote in my notes too, like get really clear what you're asking for. 
You know, what are your needs? What are you asking for? And so, you know, your fourth point on, you know, on the, that four point technique is, you know, saying, here's what I'm, here's what I need. Here's what I'm asking for. And I, I would also add the addendum, be clear already prior to going into that. What are you going to do if you don't get that need? Yeah. Like what if that person is still combative and they still want to bring it up all the time? Because there are going to be, there, there are going to be family members who receive that really, really well. And then there's going to be others who aren't capable of hearing you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really wise, right? Because, you know, again, if we go back to my personal story, um, there's, it's still, I think it's still really hard for my mom because she loves me, right? She wants me to be okay. She wants me to be taken care of and protected and all of those things. So it's incredibly hard. And I can hear the strain in her voice when she tries to change the subject, you know? And so one of the boundaries that we've set up around it is that when I, when we go, my mom lives um, away from me. So when I, every summer I take the boys out to see her and my husband stays home because two weeks of them together, it's just, it's too much for both of them. Yeah. So sometimes you can do like real world boundaries like that, where it's like, you know, he's just going to stay home and it's just going to be us. And that's okay too, right? Like the, the, it's the judgment around like, it's a family trip. So my husband should be coming with us. And then that's what creates the suffering, right? Because really everybody is happier and it's an authentic happiness. Everybody is more authentically happy when they don't hang out for two weeks in the summer. And that's totally okay. Yes. And, and that is so indicative of what you were talking about early, earlier with what should happen. Like these containers that we think you can't have a family vacation without all of us being there. Yeah. You know, and I, I am all about creating your, what works for you, the reality that works for you outside of social norms, outside of religious dogma, outside of family tradition. Mm-hmm. create what works for you. What's important is is the dynamic inside your relationship. You're responsible for that. So you need to create whatever works to support that. If that really is paramount for you, if that really is the number one thing in your, in your world. Uh, you know, like for myself and Mr. Smith, we always talk about how we, we do, we have separate sides of the refrigerator. We do <laughs> our own grocery shopping. We do our own laundry. Uh, we have separate finances, you know, and we've been together for almost 17 years. And because for us, we didn't, we don't want to fight about domestic shit. We never wanted to do that. And we, we operate really well with systems. So we just started implementing all these systems in our world. So operationally, nothing ever really goes awry because we've got all these awesome systems. You take care of this, I take care of that, and we operate really well. And then all of our time together is fucking awesome. It's like romantic and we get to date and we get to, you know, have all these incredible experiences because we're not fighting over the minutiae that doesn't, that so many people fight over. So all of that to say, you can live in separate fucking houses if you want. Like you can can, um, go on vacations separately with, the kids, if you want or not, you can have separate sides of the fridge. Like you can create whatever the hell you want to create. You do have that freedom. We just think that we don't. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that comes like from that false self, that conditioned self. Right. And, and if people haven't done their own work into that, they may look at you and be like, Amy, your relationship is in trouble. Like you have separate sides of the fridge. Like next you're going to be divorced. Yes. Right. Everyone and their dog is going to have an opinion about what that means about a relationship. But as long as you're super solid in, you know what, that actually liberates us to be even more in love. Yes. Yes. That's what's true. And that, you know, the opinions of others can just sort of fall away 
with love still. Yeah, absolutely. That is a really great point because one of the because I can't tell you how many people are like, "Oh my God, you're like roommates," and I'm like, "No, we're actually not. It's like we're dating all the time. It's awesome." Um, but the big piece for us is that we are so solid mm-hmm. that we're not swayed at all by these external opinions because. We're 100%, 110% sure that this is the system that works the best for us. Yeah. So that's where the confidence comes in too. And that's, you know, the internal work for the both of us is we're not swayed because we're we're so at peace with our own choice. And it's the same thing around children. You know, we, we dealt with that for so many years. When are you going to have children? And feeling like we owed an explanation. We don't owe an explanation. We just... We know what's the best choice for us. And that's really our only responsibility. Um, And there is one thing that I did want to mention just kind of around this whole boundaries. And and I'm curious if this took a role for you. I've always felt very strongly that if if you have a situation like this where, you know, let's say it's your best friend and you're really close and you're used to sharing everything and telling each other everything and then you know they don't like the person you're dating or they don't like the person you married or whatever don't confide in them about yes. the relationship like yes. spe- you know i always say speak your truth into ears that can hear you if it if it's somebody who can't hear you because they have their own perception and and maybe even their own truth which is uniquely theirs they are allowed to have that if if it only ends in uh acrimony or bitterness or uh abrasiveness towards each other then just stop doing that choose to speak about your work or education or parenting or all the other things that that foster love in that relationship if there is a topic that always ends in abrasiveness just stop just choose that that's off limits yeah i love i love that love that and and look as well as notice the meaning you're making about that because what i've noticed is that sometimes when people feel like they can't talk about the relationship with their best friend anymore the story they attach to that creates destructiveness in their relationship right so then there's bitterness you know sometimes in their romantic relationship like you know why is this so you know, the way it is, and I can't talk to my best friend about it, but then bitterness within the relationship with your best friend, like, why can't you completely support me and understand me? Why can't I talk about this? Like, sometimes it's the meaning we attach to having to evolve our relationships that cause the problem. True. So our, our, you know, our romantic relationships have to evolve, our friendships have to evolve, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's a negative thing if you can't talk about your romantic relationship in your friendship. Right. I, I think, I think, um, I can't remember exactly who said this, but there's um, some psychological research is coming out around like relationships. And the concept is, is that if you have 40% of your needs met in any given relationship, you have a good relationship. Mm. 40%, that's it, 40%. So that means the other 60% gets to be fulfilled in your other relationships or by your like yourself, you fulfill that for yourself. So I would use that maybe as a bit of a guideline around like with this friendship, are 40% of my needs getting met? And, you know, if you're able to talk about 40% of your life with someone, then that's a good thing. And then the other 60% can be met by the other people in your life. Uh, that's, well, that's great. great. Because how often do we set up uh, the 100% rule? Yeah. You know, I mean, in, even, in our, even in our relationships, in our marriage, and I think you're such a great example because 
I'm assuming that some of the personal development, kind of the the consciousness, the you know evolved spirit stuff, yeah, your, that need is met through your work, through yeah. your friendships, through your colleagues, and it's okay if it's not from your spouse. That's a shit ton of pressure to put on a spouse to say, "I need you to be." All the components, every single one that fulfills me. I'm going to take zero responsibility to get those needs met elsewhere. Yeah, right. And I, I, like, I love the analogy of like, you know, like our health, our well-being is like a stool, right? And you are the top of the stool. And the more legs you have on the stool, the more stable you are. So if you put, if you just have one leg, like if it's just your spouse who's meant to support all of these things, like you, you are in a precarious position, plus putting a tremendous amount of pressure, like you said, on that relationship. And I've, I've been in a relationship that was everything for me. And I've been in a relationship that was 40% for me. And, and the 40% gives me the opportunity to have an incredible network of personal like relationships and friendships and professional relationships and friendships. And I'm way happier, way more solid, way more sure in myself um, as a result of that. So I think it's actually like incredibly beneficial to use that 40% rule. That's great. That's great. And, I, and I think it really, it comes, really comes, comes down to um, being very clear. I always call, you know, call a spade a spade. If, if you really are at peace in that situation like if you because I do think there's times when people go when it really is settling yes yeah. you know and they go uh, at my core if I were really to tap into my true self my true self really would rather yeah. have somebody who is spiritually connected or you know or yeah. what however you would want to term that so I think it is also very important that you do the individual work outside of these um, additional commentary from your friends and family, like to get really, really clear about, am I really happy with this choice? Because there are some people who stability is more important than, you know, like a soulmate connection. You need to get really clear about what is the most important thing to you. And that's your responsibility is to be sure that you're not settling or that that you really are at peace with your choice, whatever that is. And I think sometimes our combativeness comes from not being 100% at peace with the choice that we've made where where we actually do know we are selling ourselves short a little bit. Yeah. So that's your piece to dig into, to look at, is there merit? Maybe mm-hmm. are they seeing something? Am I not turning the lights on in an area because it's too hard or because it's easier to stay or because we put in our dues or like, let's make sure that you're fighting for this relationship for a good fucking reason. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What I love, I believe you said this earlier, like the the concept of like non-negotiable. So if you are using the 40% rule, like that 40% has to be the non-negotiable stuff that you absolutely have to have this in your relationship and you do have it. Um, and so that might be like on the same page with parenting or, um, or like fucking hot sex. Like, I don't, I don't know, but create what your non-negotiables are for your relationship. And then notice if that 40%, if your non-negotiables are met within the 40% and if they, if they are brilliant and beautiful, and if they're not, maybe it's an area to work on. And if they can't be, then maybe it's time to leave. Yeah. Yeah. So I would love to just. Gosh, this has been so great. The time has just flown by. Oh, my God. Um, and I really love hearing 
I'm fascinated by psychology and and I love hearing that perspective from you because that, you know, that's our science. Um, and so I, I love how you have this blend of, of science and spirituality and there's a place for all of it to, to coexist. And uh, I would just love for everybody to be able to find you and stalk you and love you forever. So <laughs> please tell people where to find you. But prior to that, any any final thoughts or like if you hear nothing, hear this uh, type of thing and then tell yeah. everybody where to stalk you. I think I think if you hear nothing, hear this, that your true self knows the way and it is absolutely worth digging in to the whispers of where it's directing you. And, and once you tap into that truth, then you get to make the rules. You get to make the systems. You get to decide what, you know, what it is, how you're going to design your life the way you want it to be according to the whispers of your soul. And um, yeah, you can, you can come and stalk me and, and even, you know, send me a love note. I love, I love hearing from people. I'm over at gemmastone.org. So it's G-E-M-M-A-S-T-O-N-E dot O-R-G. And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Amy. It was total delight to just to jam with you and to be talking about all this, uh, the juicy uh, question and, and diving in in a really meaningful way. I'm, I'm just like grinning ear to ear over here. And you have such an incredible presence about you. And as I told everybody, I just had my first conversation with you right now. So I just love when it's like the soul tribe gets together and you, you know, um, I love talking to people that have such a great spiritual essence to them. And I can just feel it off you. It's so, so pleasant, um, which is so great for this like ADD scatterbrained coach over here. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I would, I would also offer to everybody that there isn't an, an awesome like magic pill, like here, take this and all your problems will go away with, with this. Most of the time are, I say this constantly, most of the time our issues can be rectified simply by conversing, by actually saying shit out loud and stop making it up, stop making up what the other person feels and truth and, and, and just talk to each other and say what you need and, and get clear on what is your responsibility and what's not. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Gemma, for being here. I so appreciate your authority on this. And uh, what a delight and what a treat. So everybody, please swing by GemmaStone.org and uh, hang out with her. Um, send her a love note if you've got some awesome little stationery lying around. Put it to some good use. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, you can cruise by thejoyjunkie.com and please snag your digital life and love kit if you haven't done so already. It's totally free. Tons of awesome conversations and ebooks and delights. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, you can swing by the podcast page and let us know if you have a specific burning issue that you need addressed. We'd be happy to do that. And I think that that's it. Oh, and if you're digging this, I can't beg you enough. <laughs> Please leave us an iTunes review. Uh, it really does help get us a little bit more visibility and um, able to be a little bit more recognizable in the directory. So that being said, have an amazing week, everybody. And here is to loving and living your most badass life. Gemma and Amy signing off.